from a top secret, highly secure network of secure locations across South Texas. This is the Spurs Insider Podcast, brought to you as always by Taco Palenque, where you can get the best fajitas in Texas. Stop by any of the Taco Palenque locations and try the limited time chicken out a store quesadilla and pirata. Don't forget to pair it with an ice cold frozen margarita. Try the lime, the mango, and for a limited time, guava. Taco Palenque keeps San Antonio cool and well fed and is the best pre or post game meal for watching the Spurs. Our our colleague Tom Orsborn is is taking some well deserved vacation this week. I wasn't sure how we were going to be able to go on without him. So we got a replacement that I think the listeners, the viewers will enjoy. I'm your host as always, Mike Finger, joined by Spurs beat writer Jeff McDonald, the Express News. And replacing Tom this week, we have a longtime friend of the podcast, a longtime friend of the newspaper, Olivier Felpan. For 20 years, he covered the NBA for L'Equipe, one of the biggest uh, sports newspapers in, in France. He was around Tony Parker. Covered four Spurs titles. Now he's working covering the NBA for RMC Radio, the biggest sports station in France. Just want to thank you, Olivier, for joining us. How are you doing today? My pleasure, Jeff, and bonjour to everybody. And uh, <laughs> Hola. twenty years. Are, are you saying? I'm saying we're getting old. And we we might be getting old, Olivier. Could, just just to refresh. My memory, because I, I remember you way back in the day when Tony Parker was a was a what 19, 18, 19 year old rookie. But but what was what was your uh, kind of deal like when you first came to San Antonio from France? Was that be, it was because of Tony, right? You moved here. It was. I'm, I'm going to give you the short version, but uh, I had already moved to Vancouver. I was actually covering the Vancouver Grizzlies for my my own amusements because nobody cared at the time. Uh, and then in 2001, you know, the Spurs uh, selected Tony and he came to San Antonio and I, I was thinking of moving to Portland at the time and last minute, uh, I was married to a French woman. We decided to go to San Antonio because of the weather. We just didn't know how hot it was in the summer, but <laughs> that, bad move, we, bad move, <laughs> bad move, but sports wise, it was fun because, uh, I moved there, Tony became big. Uh, I was writing for the keep. It's, you know, as you said, for NBA titles, uh, I got lucky enough to, to to meet you guys and also people like Pop and Manu and, and Tim. And it's been quite a ride. And uh, because I'm a cliche of a French guy, I coach soccer on the side. I used to be a chef. I've done a lot of things on the side. And uh, I stopped covering the NBA when the Spurs kind of, you know, can I say kind of sucked. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I am coming back because Wemby, I mean, you know, there's no way you can miss something like this. And I, you know, I, I literally didn't have to call anyone to get a job. People were calling me. That's that's how high the demand for you know yeah, to cover the. I was gonna say we're we're all getting older, but the the French rookies are staying the same age with the Spurs. That is something crazy, y'all. <laughs> almost 19, so let's do this again. Uh, hopefully, with a little bit more, you know, uh, thinking about how to approach the situation. And uh, I'm talking about us, the way we cover that. I'm sure the Spurs know exactly what, what they're doing. But, uh, no, it is, it is an exciting time because uh, 
you know, I'm sure you saw the video of what that king can do, and you've seen him play a couple of times in the U.S. Uh, I was, I, you know, I actually I was talking with Tony last week. We, you know, we went out and he had him playing. He was playing for Villarreal as well in France. Mm -hmm. for, yeah, mm -hmm. and even in his, he's absolutely amazing. The stuff he can do is just—it's unbelievable. How? Well, I, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Olivia, you, you had mentioned about, uh, you know, when, when the Spurs won the lottery and, and obviously we're going to hire Wimby that people started calling you, wanting you, knowing that you are, you're a, you're a South Texan now, you've been here for two decades uh, and they knew you were here and, and the French media were, was scrambling to try to get, you know, a journalist to cover him. How, how would you compare just the, the French coverage, the French interest? In NBA basketball, interest in in Victor Wembanyama uh, compared to twenty two years ago when the Spurs drafted Tony Parker. Okay, so uh, this one is called Jeff because I know he loves music. Uh, I think I think at the time when Tony was there, I was covering for French people. That's important. I was covering a, a country music scene. Nobody really uh, cared except the basketball uh -huh. people. Now it's like the Beatles. I mean, it's just, it's, it is insane. I know there's already a couple of French writers that are coming to spend the entire year in San Antonio. I mean, the demands are everywhere. TV, radio, everybody has a podcast these days. I mean, and we're not just talking about sports people. Uh, the last year of Wemby in France, that was completely unseen. Uh, what, we, what, what happened in Paris, I mean, everybody was, uh, you know, Who's who was in the entertainment, the politics, you know, world? Everybody went to see him, and uh, well, it was again the Beatles, and it's coming to San Antonio. What is this what would because you say of was, him? What, what, what would you say was Tony's role in kind of setting the stage for that in France? Like, how, how much did he change the perception of, of basketball in, in you guys' home country? Well, it's been it's been a work in progress. I mean, like every country in the world, uh, ninety two, uh, it's team completely changed the way basketball was perceived, and uh, that's yeah. when basketball stopped growing. Especially in France, we who has a huge uh, diversity. I mean, we became very very good at basketball suddenly, and we, you know, like I, I was thinking of this summer. I was looking at statistics. I don't want to bore you with that, guys, but. You know, the youth category, the French national team won the title in Europe or made the final or the semi-final from U15 to U20. The, the potential of French basketball is insane. And if you were to talk to any NBA scouts, they're probably capable of giving you half a dozen of those kids that are today 15 yeah. to 16. I mean, there's so many coming down the pipeline. Uh, what Tony did by winning, he made the NBA which again, you have to put it in context. It is in the middle of the night. It is a tough sale in Europe. Yeah. It changed. It changed the way French people looked at the at basketball, and at the same time, Germany was doing the same with Nowitzki. People got up at night, and suddenly, Tony Parker winning. I mean, he made the cover of the Keep of all the big newspaper, and that was absolutely unseen. And Wemby doing that. Before he even footstep in the US. That's to me, that's the biggest difference. He's coming as a superstar. Everybody in yeah. France is expecting big things from him. 
just like everybody in San Antonio is expecting big things. And that's, right. that's where the pressure has to be. I mean, you cannot compare. It's tremendous. Right. Along those lines, we, we've seen the, the photos of Wemby as, as a young boy wearing the Spurs jersey. And uh, obviously, like a lot of kids who liked basketball in France at the time, they, they were Spurs fans, right? Uh, during your 20 years of covering the, the team, how would you kind of describe Spurs fanhood back in France? I mean, were there were there people who were who considered themselves Spurs fans, or were they Tony fans? And I guess this is nope. probably a natural uh, natural uh, uh, transition into one of Jeff's favorite topics and mine the the whole Manu Tony uh, back and forth, which you were in the middle of, uh, where the 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 journalists from Argentina were always upset with Tony because Tony didn't pass Manu the ball. Uh, I guess this is a multi-pronged question, but just kind of review that whole uh, uh, kind of period in time when 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 the Spurs were taking over uh, French basketball fanhood. There, I'm gonna try my best to you know to to answer you, but Manu, there was never any issue in France because it was mostly from Argentina, uh-huh. and uh, no, no, seriously, I mean, Manu represents. A brand of sport, forget basketball, a brand of attacking a game, any kind of game that we absolutely love to death in France. He plays with, with passion, with heart, and, uh, you know, took part a few years to understand what he had with, you know, I'm going to let him be him. You uh, mm-hmm. love that kind of player to death. Tony is a different kind of animal. He was the point guard. Yes, I can see some moments, but at the end of the day, those two guys were the ultimate teammates together. So, there was no issue as far as French people. Now, mm-hmm. the, what does what was the second part of your question? I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I I rambled too long. Were, were there Tony Parker fans in France, or was were there genuine Spurs fans during that time? There was there was a it was it was Tony mostly, but you know you cannot have one without the without the other part of, of the equation. Mm-hmm. And uh, San Antonio became something. I mean, she knew. I'm yes. I'm going to. You know, to insert a little bit, you know, people from San Antonio, and I don't mean it, but if you knew how many times they had people coming from France or Europe and telling me, what is that thing downtown? You know, the Alamo. And I had to explain to them, they had no clue what it was. <laughs> uh-huh. And you you put it into context where, you know, history in Europe is everywhere. You know, there's, and that's the biggest difference. That There's no excuse. I knew what the Alamo was, and I knew John really? Wayne was not at the Alamo. So I knew my stuff. <laughs> But <laughs> I, I, I hope he told him that the Alamo is the gift shop for the Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't go there, but you know, it's like every time they come, I'm like, that's it? It is that small? Yes, it's small. Uh, that's all there is left. Uh, right. It was everybody that came from Europe. But what I'm trying to say is that Tony, the Spurs, changed something. It became Spurs. And uh-huh. you, you have to, again, context Spurs in Europe was not San Antonio. Spurs was Tottenham. Tottenham mm. Hotspurs, the right, soccer right. team in England. Like, right. yeah, I think Steve Nash was a big fan of that team, and I was always kidding with him about that because Arnie, Manu, they changed that perception internationally, and it be, the Spurs are now, you know, they're now the Spurs. They're San Antonio. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's, uh, that's funny. The, the Alamo actually would be one of the bit, uh, newer buildings in, in Paris, right? <laughs> when you, you talk Wait. about the comparison of history, you know, there's pretty much, guys, yeah, but did, 
this is when you become arrogant and you know you become very very strange so i'm gonna give it to you you know you have people coming at you telling you how old it is and you're like my house in france was 350 years old this <laughs> is what it is you know? <laughs> that's great yes. Yeah. There's there's so, something great about, and I'm not poking fun at Olivia here. It's just awesome to hear a French guy say arrogant, like because it, it it sounds even more arrogant than the word arrogant. It's just awesome. <laughs> I, I love that well, so much. I, I don't mean we to always sound say arrogant. arrogant. We say English because that's where we go. There's another label. It's the English people. I don't know, guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, but. It's all good fun. It's all good fun. Just I've been here long enough to see both points of view at the end of the day. Just get an education, understand what happened, where it happens, and respect it. That's all I have to say. Uh, this We're talking to you just a month after um, the, the, the player who you covered so closely and so well for so long in the NBA, went into the NBA Hall of Fame, not the NBA Hall of Fame, the, the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, I guess I, I should get your thoughts on that. Just kind of put in perspective uh, what that meant, what 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 you thought about with him going in, just the accomplishment of of seeing that teenager become a Hall of Famer. To, I mean, the young, the young, the visual a bit, and I thought he was playing golf that day. I'm like, what, what did I miss? You know, is it the Ryder Cup or something? But uh-huh. it's. Uh, you know, I got lucky enough to be very close to him the first few years in San Antonio because he needed, you know, it's not easy to be away from your country, your family, and you're 19 years old. So he, he had a list. That guy knew where he was going. He had a list of accomplishments he wanted to do, you know, become starter, win the NBA title, going to the, being, you know, uh, in one of those uh, top top team at the end of the season. I'm forgetting the, title, the name in English, but... Uh, all and NBA then going team. to all NBA teams, thank you. you know. And uh, going to the Hall of Fame was really at the end of this because that means he's old and that means he's done. But it was on the list, and you're like, I, I don't know about you guys. If you made a list like this when you were a kid, I mean, everybody mm-hmm. wants to be a fireman. Are we okay with that? <laughs> uh, I didn't. I had no clue what I wanted to do, and. That's to me. That's that's why those guys, the Tony Parkers of the world, the man who they become special. They have they have something special. And they stick to it, good mm-hmm. or bad. They stick with it as long as it takes. And that was kind of when I was asking, what do you do next when every dream you had as a kid, you made them happen? And Tony kind of smiled and looked at me, smiled, you know, and it's like I don't know. That means that's, he knows he's got something. <laughs> right. You know, that's when um, you know, when, when Pop was um when it was announced that Pop was gonna be enshrined at the Hall of Fame, you know, he tried to downplay it and say, you know, nobody nobody grows up, you know, saying they they want to be in the Hall of Fame or, or dreaming that they could they could one day be in the Hall of Fame. And the first person I thought of when Pop said that was Tony Parker, because that guy did. So Pop's wrong about that. that. <laughs> Bob's wrong about that. Tony Parker was the one guy that thought I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame one day, and sure enough, pulled it off. But that, that 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 was for everything. That was his motivation. You know, I didn't get lucky enough to really know someone like Michael Jordan who was so competitive at everything. But I mean, I had a Photoshop with Tony, and while we were on the on the yeah. parking lot of the Alamo Dome, so he's 19. As we are waiting for the photographer to set up, we played soccer. You know, to find the guy in the middle of the summer in Texas. 
And that... He opened up my shin. I was bleeding like a beast on the concrete. And of course, he's like, I never touched you. I'm like, there's only you and me. What do you think happened? <laughs> Everything was a contest to him. And every time I remember, every time Oingar uh, signing a new contract, he needed to have the same mess. Not because he was greedy money-wise, but because that's how you pay talent. That's how you recognize talent. And to me, I was still very, very French, learning about all of this. And he was the rookie. I mean, he was not rookie anymore, but he was 22. And I was looking at him like, what the heck is wrong with you? But <laughs> that's the by culture. And that's how, I guess, you become an old, an old famer. And I'm not. <laughs> and that's it. You know, you, yeah. you have to be a special kind of human being. You mentioned earlier, um, Tony, early in his NBA career, coming to America, all the struggles that come along with this and how you kind of bonded with him over being away from your home country. Um, how, how do you think that will translate to Victor Wembanyama's experience? Because I know he's got a, a really strong, uh, rather large support group around him, his his family, his agents, uh, the team that, you know, does everything from physical conditioning to planning his whole career. Um, just, just what, what should we be looking for? What do you think about in terms of just adapting to being an, a, a superstar in America? And, and that might be the biggest chance because it was, you know, to again, put it in perspective, I was not just bonding with Tony, I was bonding with every international player, even guys that were not in San Antonio, like uh, Stogakovic, Gauskas, I mean, all of them, because everybody was in the same situation. Kind of lonely, kind of, uh, you know, I need to talk about Europe, even I know nothing about, you know, Stogakovic country at the time. And I was like, dude, okay. But still, we bound it. And, and you're right. Wemby is coming with an army of people because he's uh, his agents, you know, I don't know, Buna India and Jeremy Medjana, there's two, it's a group of agents. They, they have pretty much every good players uh, in their portfolio, uh, every good French you know, players. And there's one of them is based in Dallas, the other one is based in France. They've been doing it uh, for, I mean, I, I met those guys when Jerome Moiso, I don't know if you know that name, Mozo. He was one of the first French players in the NBA. That's 25 years ago. And they know what they're doing. All those 20, 25 years of working so hard, setting up all those guys, making mistakes, learning from it, leads us to Wembayama. And yes, they've been ready for a long time, just waiting to see where he was going to be drafted, uh, not what position. They knew. They knew last year, they knew, they knew two years ago he was going to be number one. It was just which team is going to get him. Uh, so I don't have an answer to your question. Uh, I believe it's going to be much more ready than Tony because mistakes are going to be very, very difficult to make. Uh, they're covering everything. After that, what happens on the, on the court is up to him. And that's, we, we have the answer, you know, after as a season, maybe a good start of an answer of where it's going to go. But based on every discussion I had with people that know him, he's, he's tough as a rock. He knows it and, and he's super clever. So the guy knows what he wants to do. And that's why, and, and his group is taking care of sharing just enough. I mean, he's hiding right now. He's working hard. They're still spreading a few nuggets, this and that, like, you know, like yesterday was doing 
fighting out. Like, <laughs> I don't know how he does this. You see that? Oh, the, the, the him squatting. Yeah. <laughs> it, it hurt me just to look at that photo, trying to oh, yeah. imagine doing that stretch. But you mentioned, uh, you know, um, Wemby's agent, Buna, uh, he, he was one of his first clients was Jan Mahaney. So the, like they, you're right. They do have this long history of kind of, uh, dealing with international players, with French players. They know how to, to make that transition, um, to get people comfortable, uh, playing in the NBA, comfortable in America. And, and, and I mean, 20 years ago, that just wasn't the case. So I'm sure there will be time when Wemby will be homesick. He probably is already, right? But uh, I, I think that it, it'll be different than it was with time. The world, the world is much, much smaller. You know, I, yeah. I, I remember when I came to this country. Whenever I had to, I had to see a soccer game because that's still, you know, soccer is huge, and I still struggle to call it soccer. I, I, I was, I was going online and find it on some legal websites. Uh, more kind of commercial popping up that has changed and everything has changed uh when i was in vancouver i had american players complaining that canada was such a different country they didn't have the same kfc and they had to pay with different money and i was looking at those guys like come on man <laughs> but that was 20 years ago today i mean it's like tony i mean i talked to tony a few days ago i met him San Antonio. he's back today opening up something in france he's gonna be back next week then he's traveling again i mean it's so easy to go from one country to the other one from one continent to the other one then it's the same for huh. Wemby. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really interesting for Wimby, what do you think the cultural fit like is with the spurs like he could have gone to orlando or to houston like they're the old lottery night, Houston, Detroit, all these different teams. We kind of saw him on the broadcast kind of secretly cheering every time another team was called. So he seemed really excited about coming to San Antonio. Why do you what do you what do you think that excitement is about? What excites him about joining the Spurs as opposed to the Pistons, the Rockets, the Magic, one of these other teams? Well, I mean, I I can tell you that he was not a fan of going to Houston and he made it clear in French when, when Houston's name got out, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to go. And I was laughing so hard because I was like, the moment that piece is going to get translated, every Spurs fan is going to be in his pocket because he doesn't <laughs> like Houston. He doesn't like Houston people. So, you know, that was bright. Uh, beyond that, I mean, you know, it's the Spurs culture is so important into international basketball what pop and rc and, and all those guys that have done i don't want to mention them all but because i'm losing them and i'm getting old but what <laughs> they've done is really changed the relationship between FIBA basketball and, and the nba i mean that they won in a way that people that love FIBA basketball and only FIBA, you know we still have those hardcore fans like people watching, I don't know if you paid attention. The USA lost in the semifinal the other day of the, the right. World Cup. World Cup. Yeah. Team team like Serbia and Germany. That's where absolutely not on the map in the last Olympic. It's just they are good enough to win any time because they play that old kind of basketball where everybody's sharing the ball, where you play just now defense, you have big guys, and that's that's the key, you know, for international game. It's a beautiful kind of basketball, and the Spurs play that kind of basketball all these years, and people in Europe know about that. When they grow up 
idolizing Tony, but looking at the Spurs, looking at team, looking at Manu, looking at all these guys and being like, you know, and, and Boris Diaw. I mean, Boris played a big role too because when you share the ball so well and you're a big guy that gives you ID, I mean, where did he place the way he is because of all those players? And, you know, yesterday, I mean, it's been announced that MB doesn't want to play five or he's going to play power forward. Who cares? He may end up playing three in a, in a, in a few years. He's got right. options. He can do anything. Embrace that. Yeah. You you were mentioning before the podcast, maybe you just mentioned uh, FIBA. Are, are people upset with Wemby back in France for not playing on the World Cup team this, this summer? Well, France uh, dropped an egg. I don't know the expression. I mean, we 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 made. That's it. Thank you. We 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 reached the final of the Olympics last time, uh, which was at 2021. Uh, so that's two years ago, and we couldn't even get out of the first round. Round the Canada went very far, but still. We didn't play good. We didn't really have a point guard. Nando is now, you know, I was going to say my age. No, no Nando. He's only 36. But uh, oh. I love Nando, how, guys. How old is no, Nando? He's 36. 36. 36. Yes. That's the thing that made me feel older. That's what makes me feel older, older than anything else that's ever happened in this podcast. Nando DeColo is 36 years old. And he's Jeez, getting, he's getting on his way out, man, Jeff. He's been, he's been fantastic in Europe. He was the best player in Europe for many years. Uh, he's getting old. You know, when you play with teams that are 22, where you cannot be a starting point guard. And uh, anyway, France brought one. Uh, when he wasn't there, it was all clear that he was not going to be there. You know, and people react, why? Who is number one? Why isn't he pushing to be there? Because he's a hope, because he's got a bigger career in front of him, and because the Olympics are next year, and everybody's going to be there next year in Paris when, you know, LeBron James brings his bodies, and France is going <laughs> to do the same, and and we'll see a different kind of game. But, uh, yes, losing, of course, you had a few people that, you know, probably talk too much that say that, uh, yeah, it's also on him because he wasn't there. No, come on, he's a 19-year-old kid. He's gonna be great. Waiting time to develop, uh, but you you know you know how it is. You can never please everybody at the same it, time. It, right. It's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't with those guys. Because if Wimby does go play, then now the Spurs and San Antonio is mad at him before he even steps foot on the on the court here. So it's it's a no win situation for those guys, and when it comes to international play, you just yeah. gotta do what's best for you, and and I worry about the blowback. I think. And that and that's what was done. And again, I mean, you know, he took the decision with his group or the dis- I mean, I don't know exactly how it happened. It was done. Uh, personally, I have no beef with it at all. I'm just exciting to see him, you know, start with the Spurs, and then next year he's gonna go back with France, and and he's gonna be tremendous if the team is balanced. Because at the end of the day, you may have a Wembyama. Uh, that's not gonna change everything. Just like I feel, you know, Embiid might become American or French. Right uh, for, for the Olympics, because in the international basketball, you need a big guy that can dominate on offense. Uh, we don't have that right now. Uh, I have only love for Rudy Gobert, but he's mostly a defensive presence. And mm-hmm. uh, that, that's why it's so important to get those guys. Wemby will be there next year, and uh, that's going to change the ball game because suddenly you're going to have to double team, maybe triple team that big dude. And 
people will get open and will look better. You talked about French basketball fans becoming true basketball fans, and part of part of being an American basketball fan is is having unrealistic expectations for your teams. We have those all over the place in this in this league in this country, in San Antonio included. What what are the expectations that the average French basketball fan has for Victor Wembanyama as a rookie? Do they expect him to come in and dominate right away? If the Spurs win 35 games and miss the playoffs, is there going to be disappointment? Just how would you categorize the whole expectation level for him? Well, the yeah, it's it, it is unfair, but you know it's kind of like 20, 20 and ten rookie of the year, and in your life, right? <laughs> yes. Where do we sign? <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, that. Yeah, that's that's where they, that's where everybody is for the most part. Uh, have to see how the Spurs decide to use him. I mean, you you can probably tell me more on the subject, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Spurs were patient because that's what they do. And if they are course, patient, yeah. not going to get twenty and ten. And twenty and ten, honestly, would surprise me. That's a lot. It is. It's it's hard just to average twenty and ten in the NBA. I mean, that is yeah. that is a super productive year. If he does that, that's that would exceed my expectations probably. Yeah, that's um, a rookie of the year if he does that. I think, right, right. But it, it could um, be, you know, it could be, it could be a rookie of the year with a sixteen, eight, and and four. Because sure, we don't talk, we don't talk enough about his defense. That oh, you know, it's for sure. absolutely amazing. The quickness, the mobility of that guy. It's it's like a moving wall. And every time I say wall, I think of Yao Ming, same size. That has nothing to do with a Yao Ming. He's just. Right. It's like a shadow. You never know what it's going to be, but it's going to be there to, to deflect the ball and to bluff you and to bother you. And he's so quick. I've seen play. You, you all see the, you all saw those players that I've never seen in my life before. And I was kind of looking at video of Karim and, and Win Chamberlain. And that's how far you have to go back to kind of look at, at players when they were 22, 20 years old and say, okay, I see something similar. And that's yeah, crazy to talk about that. I might not believe this even as it's coming out of my mouth, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think with Wimby, it might be even more likely that he makes an all-defensive team as a rookie than wins Rookie of the Year. Yep. Like, maybe he can do both, but if you had to, if you told me it could only be one, I might think it's more likely that he makes an all-defensive team because I, I think he's he's there already. And, and, I, and I fully agree with you because that's what the Spurs do. They play the game as a team, and if if... What does sell the team? It's going to be to bring defense back and really, you know, put the basis down for what a great team is going to be down the road. I mean, so I don't know if he plays for what happened to Sohan and so on and so on, but it's a good problem to have. Everybody's going to be long. Everybody's defense oriented. So yes, it's going to be, it's going to be pleasant to see. I just love um, your response earlier to the controversy earlier this week this this podcast will come out on Wednesday I think I think it was on Monday when there was a bit of a internet stir about Wimby might play the four like Olivier mentioned earlier um and and the perfect French sports writer perfect French basketball fan response to that is what Olivier said who cares who it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter but he's gonna be awesome he's gonna be on the floor somewhere today's NBA is pretty much positionless anyway. So to get worked up about who's going to come off the bench 
what position he's going to play. I, I just love that whole attitude of just enjoy it. Um, and I think that's those are good words for all our listeners to live by for the whole season, to not get so worked up over the minor uh, details of what position he plays. Is he going to be rookie of the year or not? It's just going to be a really fun thing to experience. And, and for Olivier, who uh, I believe he spent the summer in Montana selling uh, crepes. Is that right? Do, doing your chef's thing? Hey, this is an actual paper, thing, guys. But yeah. yes, get all the jokes out. I used to be quite big. I got it. I got it. It's been done to me, but I'm a cliche of a fun guy. I can write. I love sports. I played sport. I coach. Uh, and yes, I can cook. So I had a study way. I moved away from Texas because, like, I, honestly, I cannot handle the heat. I mean, 80 days of a, of a hundred degrees, what, that, that is madness. So I'm so I went jealous, to man. It's beautiful. <laughs> it was 70 yeah. degrees every day, 50 at night. I miss it. <laughs> and you and you were selling crepes to Montanans, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was introducing them to uh, to some very unassuming French food. French food doesn't have to be snobbish. And it was fun because you meet people. Every time I would see someone with an NBA jersey, I would like, okay, Golden State. Let's talk about you guys. How do you feel about being done? You know, I was talking <laughs> spike to all of that. Where, where were you in Montana? What's what town or city? You said Bozeman, Bozeman. right? Bozeman. Bozeman. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's yeah. nice. That's great. It's so, nice. Uh, he's, so he's coming back. Olivia's coming back after his summer of selling crepes to uh, the tourists in in Montana and giving them crap about their NBA team. I, I wrote about Olivia in the newspaper a couple of years ago. With, about your soccer projects, you're you're a man of you're a Renaissance man from from France. Uh, you were you were starting up a soccer project in San Antonio, continuing to work as a journalist. Going to be on RMC Radio. You can find Olivier Felpon on Twitter. Uh, just a joy to talk to. We will we will keep in touch all season. We'll, we'll be happy to see him in the press rooms, the crowded press rooms, the crowded press roads all season long. Glad I got one to more have question for back. Olivier. Can I get one in? One more question. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking, Olivia. Um, if you look about your look look back at your entire career covering French basketball from Tony Parker to Wimby, who's the coolest player you've ever covered, and why is it Boris Diaw? Uh, so you have the answer to the question. That I love it because <laughs> Boris Bobo, as we call him, has had a way with life. I mean, that guy. You say Epicurean in English, someone yes. who loves life, okay, that's what he is. I mean, you need me to, to be it any kind of, uh, you know, jumping records in the club. Let me put down my coffee and my yeah. my <laughs> my beach shoes and I'm going to do this and then I'm going to go back drinking coffee, get a glass of wine. You need me to have a triple-double tonight. I don't like numbers, but I do it because you asked nicely. Uh, I mean... <laughs> I had so many moments with this dude. Uh, he's now the manager of the French national team, which cracks me up because he probably has forced his nature. Uh, but he's so good at talking to people that, you know, making a square be around. He finds ways. He's just, but he enjoys life more than the three of us combined guys. And yes, money helps. He, he, he travels everywhere. But what he does, uh, it's awesome. And there's no, you know, there's no doubt why he was a friend, big friend with, uh, with Thiago, with Paddy, with Manu, all those guys, because they're world travelers and enjoy our life, all those people. Yeah, he's the best dude. I liked him a lot. Well, Olivier, that's, 
it's just been a, a, a great joy to talk to you again. Again, it, it'll be fun to see you down the road uh, in the arenas this year. We're all going to enjoy the whole Wimbanyama experience. And uh, I think that's where we'll wrap it up. Really appreciate the time. Again, Olivier Felpon with RMC Radio. You can find him on Twitter. We will have his, uh, his name with this podcast uh, so you can look him up. And uh, until the next time, take care of each other and keep it real. 